Welcome to Senior Living Visionaries, a podcast for senior living leaders who are looking to stay ahead of the curve in the industry. On this show, we feature leaders and innovators in senior living who are pushing the boundaries and creating new, effective services and solutions. And now, let's settle in as host Jennifer Drago connects us with today's guests. Welcome to Senior Living Visionaries, a podcast for senior living leaders who are looking to stay ahead of the curve in the industry. On this show, we feature leaders and innovators in senior living who are pushing the boundaries and creating new, effective services and solutions. And now, let's settle in as host Jennifer Drago connects us with today's guests. And welcome to Senior Living Visionaries, where we showcase the leaders and innovators who are shaping the future of senior living. I'm your host, Jennifer Drago, strategy consultant and CEO of Peak to Profit. And today we have with us my guest, Nancy Corey King, who is an organizational consultant and an executive coach who has recently retired as president of Senior Options and Westminster Canterbury at Home which are both wholly owned subsidiaries of Westminster Canterbury on Chesapeake Bay. Senior Options helps leading age members develop and successfully operate home and community-based services, which is what we're gonna be talking about today. Westminster Canterbury at Home provides home health, home care, and hospice services to older adults throughout the Hampton Roads region. Nancy has over 30 years of healthcare experience, and so we're so excited that she's gonna share that with us today. Prior to joining Westminster Canterbury on Chesapeake Bay, she served as Senior Vice President of Residence Care for Sunrise Senior Living, where she was responsible for quality assurance and regulatory affairs, memory care activities, policies and procedures, and residence care for Sunrise's 300 communities and 30,000 residents in the United States, Canada, and the UK. My goodness, that was a big job. And prior to that, um, Nancy was the president of Senior Independence, which is now Ohio Living Home Health and Hospice, where she was responsible for leading seven owned and four partnered home and community-based service agencies. She has a bachelor's degree from Penn State, a master's degree in social administration from Case Western, and a doctorate in management also from Case Western, where she was recognized as a nonprofit scholar. She's a frequent um, speaker at Leading Age and has also been uh, held leadership roles at Leading Age National, Leading Age Ohio, and Leading Age Virginia. And I found out recently that she's the author of um, a book called Fired, How to Manage Your Career in the Age of Job Uncertainty, available on Amazon. So thank you, Nancy. Gosh, you've, um, you've done so much. I'm just so honored to have you here. Thank you for being here. And tell us more about what you're doing today since you've recently retired from Senior Options. Thank you, Jen. And thank you for having me as a guest on your podcast. I am, um, after a year, uh, I took a year off after I retired from Senior Options and Westminster Canterbury at Home. And I'm now doing home and community-based services consulting. And so I'm excited. I'll be at leading age. Uh, I'm excited to get back in it. It's been my passion throughout my career to help uh, senior living organizations develop and optimize and grow their home and community-based services. 
So I'm really looking forward to helping the field expand their mission. Oh, that is so awesome. And so just to be clear, you help, um, you would help senior living organizations or existing home care or hospice in, Absolutely. Um, in optimizing if they already have services or in starting up and figuring out what they might want to do in the home and community-based space. Is that correct? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, okay, perfect. That's so um, let's start out. Uh, my last guest on my podcast was Kim Hoppe, uh, who's the Chief Financial Officer at Brio Living Services, and they have an extensive home and community-based portfolio. Many of those services partnered or joint ventured with other organizations, uh, which is what we were talking about in that podcast. But she shared something interesting, and that was that more than half of the system revenues come from home and community-based services. Uh, which I think is fantastic. And mm -hmm. so um, I know that our senior living providers today are looking for additional revenue opportunities. And would you agree that, you know, looking at home and community-based services are good revenue sources? And, you know, what are some margins that you could, you know, might be industry standard that you could share with us from some of the more prevalent home and community-based services? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, I think it it's both mission and margin. So there are services that you can pick uh, to do. And if you can achieve the volume and maintain the productivity and so on, uh, you can get good margins. Uh, I think that Brio's 50% of their revenue is high for most of our senior living organizations. That's an incredible amount. Uh, I would say it's closer to 10 to 20% in most cases of the overall revenue, but it might be much more um, greater percentage of the margin because the margin um, in some of the services is quite high. And I know Brio in particular has a very successful PACE program, which also brings not only great service, but great margins back to uh, the organization. So it's a great example of mission and margin. There, are, I don't have uh, margin stats for PACE, but I do with home health and home care and hospice. So for private duty, the average margins about 10%. So you can see you got to have a lot of volume and it can really make a difference. Uh, for home health, um, MedPAC did a study and the margins were like 17% on Medicare cases. However, with managed care, that margin is, is eroded. Mm. So that's very hard to be strictly Medicare but it's still profitable. And then um, hospice upwards of 15% is achievable um, and still maintaining the quality. So um, they are mission and margin and they can add to your bottom line. And I think they can really add diversity and excitement to your organization. For sure. And what do you think about um, how big does an organization need to be <laughs> if they're truly organizing these services initially to serve their own residents, right? Mm -hmm. Can a single site have these home and community based or would you would you recommend multi-sites look at this? What Do you have some rules of thumb? Well, um, you know what, if you are wanting to, let's say, let's say uh, home care, 
private duty home care, there are lots of aides from lots of different places coming in and out of your building. And you've decided, yeah, enough of that. We're going to control the quality and we're going to control the security of our operation. We're going to start our own home care program. Okay. So that program may not have the volume if it's just serving the residents, or it may not have the, um, the discipline in terms of productivity, but it's, it's fixing another problem. So that, on that, in that case, um, it, it isn't going to be about the size of the organization. Now, the more internal clients you can get, I like to see that as the base of the operation. So you start inside, you know, build your business, uh, work out the kinks, serve the residents, make sure they're happy, and then take it out. Because in most cases, you need to have that greater community. And so there are some times when um, the greater community doesn't contribute enough of a population. And so you really have to think hard about doing a service if there isn't um, a market for it. And obviously market studies come in to play there. Right. And that's part of what you would do as a consultant is help the organization assess. Do they have enough internal to provide that foundation? Do they need to go external? Is there market opportunity out there? Those are all parts yeah. of your consulting. I, I don't do the market study per se myself, but what I will do is, is say to them, you will need to be out in the community. You will need marketing staff dedicated to these services it's going to have to be it will be work you know if you build it they do not come so you really have to get out there in the greater community and 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 build the business so to speak yeah and and what you're describing i think is important because in some cases is really different than the marketing mentality we have in our brick and mortar so um, you're advising them also on marketing needs, outreach needs, you know, how they, mm -hmm. how they build that business outside the, their walls, right? Absolutely right. And it's just a very different way of thinking. And most people in our field have been there a long time and, and thinking is entrenched, if not wrote in terms of how we do things. So it takes a different approach not that you can't do it, but um, it can't all be folded into one operation. It really takes a distinctive approach to to grow the business, it, especially at the beginning when you need a dedicated um, a, a sales force. Right. So when you when when we go to conferences these days, there's lots of discussion of home and community based, and it usually comes up just as we've already started to talk about it when we're talking about revenue enhancement. But what are some other reasons that senior living organizations should look at home and community-based services? Mm -hmm. um, I think that the most important one is what do you want your organization to be known for? Do you want to transform it from a community that maybe serves 500, 700 people to an organization that really is central to the care of older adults in that greater market. So to me, that transformation is one important reason. Um, another important reason is there are so many back and forth benefits so that, for example, when you add hospice to your continuum, your residents 
are going to love it. The volunteering opportunities that you provide, um, the the mission, if you have a faith basis, the ability to incorporate that into your hospice, um, that's really important. If you have a rehab center and you have your own home health, you can work together to really prevent readmissions. I mean, that is something as a team you can do together. Uh, so I think there's lots of good reasons. Uh, I mentioned in home care, controlling the quality or the security of your organization is another good one. But um, Jennifer, I love to hear why people want to do what they want to do. And then I can help them match the right services to that why. Yeah. And this probably goes without saying, but let's bring it up right now, is that um, you know an organization shouldn't go into a discussion about home and community base with an expert like you saying, you know, I, we want to do hospice and, and just be singularly focused. Instead, um, strategically, they should be talking about, you know, what do we want to do as an organization? How are we going to grow? And then get more granular with someone like you who can help them understand, okay, what are truly the goals, the whys, and so that you can match the best service, and perhaps it is hospice. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I think um, going in with an open mind and um, allowing someone like you or um, another consultant to come in and, and really um, understand what the whys are and try to match the service um, all mm -hmm. within the frame of a strategic plan, I think is really right. important. Great. If you have a strategic plan, um, there's an opportunity for home and community-based services to complement it. So if your strategic plan says we're going to reduce nursing home beds by half, okay, now you need a solution for those residents that you've insinuated or promised life care to. Mm -hmm. And um, so that may mean a robust home health and hospice program paired with your assisted living. It may be a significant private duty program. Uh, it may be a joint venture um, with another organization that has more um, horsepower, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it really does come down to what, what are you looking for? And of course, we're assuming everyone wants to be profitable or be financially viable. We're going to take that as a given. Right, right. So when you go to work with an organization, if you were picking, mm -hmm. selecting your perfect client, uh, what prerequisites would be in place that mm -hmm. would show you they're ready for this? Well, it'd be great if they've done a little research, they've gone to sessions and listened to experts. Uh, it would be wonderful if they've looked at their strategic plan and thought about what do the residents need? What do people in our market need? Uh, but what I really love is when they have a drive to learn, that they've accepted that this isn't the same as opening a new building, as challenging as that is, and it is, mm -hmm. this is a real neat new business line. And it's going to take a lot of thinking and preparation to make it successful. It, it's not as simple as hiring a great person and letting them run with it. There's many more intricacies. And yes, that's going to help it. And that's going to be a great help. But the CEO and the C-suite really have to um, pull together and understand that 
for this to succeed, we're going to need to support it. They're going to need computers. They're going to need things. And they can't just be at the bottom of the wish list after the retirement community's needs are fixed. So one of the questions is, do we integrate it or do we give them a separate service? So like I'll always advocate for a software that's standalone for that level of care because a lot of the newer ones can't really integrate. But that said, um, maybe HR can do it. Maybe they can do the recruitment, but maybe there needs to be a separate recruiter for home care, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. So those kind of questions and and really depending on your capacity, your flexibility and the interest of your team members, which is so exciting to find out that somebody has worked in this field before, you know, all of those things kind of pair up uh, and marry to to kind of picking the the services. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love that you brought up the integration because mm-hmm. you're right. There are things that don't make sense to integrate, but then lots of things make sense when you're in a system, yeah. right, to potentially integrate. And yeah. I think the other thing that can influence maybe um, some of those discussions is the culture of the organization overall, yeah. right? If, um, you know, I've worked with organizations where each building and their staff are kind of in their own silos. They don't necessarily think of themselves as part of a system mm-hmm. or part of a team. And, um, you know, when it comes to home and community base, there's such um, an opportunity to truly serve these residents in different mm-hmm. ways as their needs change throughout their lives that um, having a culture that supports that, I think, yes. um, could be really positive. Right. And education um, to all the teams as to, you know, what's a realistic. So, for example, I worked I worked with an organization that the home care was phenomenal. But the assisted living group would call at the last minute and say, we need someone right now, 24 hour care. So anybody in that in the business knows there aren't people sitting in your lobby waiting to be dispatched. It takes a mastermind to put together a 24 hour plan, let alone immediately. So just kind of getting those expectations um, cleared up, not that you can do anything about emergencies. They happen when they happen, but, you know, understanding that, yeah, this person's probably going to need some support. Right. Right. Yeah. So (laughs) you're so right. And, and the mastermind, we talked about it earlier that um, the people that, that schedule these services, particularly home care services, are mm-hmm. worth their weight in gold because yeah, of always trying to put those puzzle pieces together. Um, so if an organization that you were came to you and they didn't have home and community-based services at all, mm-hmm. and they were really mm-hmm. starting from scratch, and you had the opportunity to help them build a continuum of care that kind of feeds on one another, are there services that um, organizations can put in place that feed other aspects of their business or other aspects of home and community based. It's kind mm-hmm. of the hierarchy there. Yeah. So, um, you know, one element of the hierarchy is the simplicity and the ease of implementation. So if the base level is home care or emergency alert systems or transportation, something pretty basic, not highly regulated. Mm-hmm. Um, And then after that, um, I put um, like hospice, it's regulated, it takes about a year to get certified, but it's not like home health, which is the next level, um, which is 
highly regulated and very complicated in terms of what the clinicians have to document. And then I would put in a life care at home, although it's not as complicated to implement as it is to plan and get those actuarial tables and all that. And then PACE, mm -hmm. which takes a multi-million dollar investment. You absolutely have to have it in your strategic plan and you have to get the financing. You have to build the building or renovate a building. So it's a lot. So um, how would I pick the orders? Um, it might be ease of implementation. It might be regulations. Um, it also might be what the goals of the organization are. So if I'm trying to reduce my sniff beds, I might want to add hospice more quickly so that hospice can join my assisted living and helping to take care of more frail residents at the end of life, okay? Mm -hmm. Or I'm trying to build my rehab census, then I'm going to want to do Medicare home health because the people who go out and sell home health are already in all the referral places that you would get sniff patients from. They're in all those hospitals every day. Mm -hmm. And so it's a natural synergy to have them, you know, help um, recognize who might need uh, an admission to a rehab and pass that on to the sniff. So that's another um, way of looking at it. Um, yes. Yeah. Kind of. And then the third way to look at it is where's the talent? So I, I love it when someone says, oh, you know, Mary worked in home health for 20 years. Okay, ding, ding, ding. We'll get that started. Because <laughs> we have somebody who isn't starting from scratch and if she wants to and if it's one of her goals. But that does help too. Yeah. Everything that you said really speaks to how you would work with an organization to one, you know, understand their whys and all their goals and, um, you know, how home and community based can maybe fill some of these gaps, but then how to do, how to um, start up or optimize a service based on what is truly going on in the industry or in that organization. Mm -hmm. So it truly is a customized strategy, but um, it is. your, your years of experience, I think, um, allows you to approach this in ways that many couldn't. So um, I, I can, I would, I makes me want to be in a provider organization again, so I could work with you. <laughs> no, you, you. It's, I just, nice. I love the way you think about this. Um, yeah, it's the most important part to me. It, it is the pre conversations and having that and it's educational and it's dialogue, it's back and forth, it's executive team, it's board. But the more you talk about it and you think it through, how complex, how many payers do you want? Do you want 150? Because if you're in home health, you're going to have a lot of payers. If you're in a Medicaid waiver program, if you're in hospice, you're pretty much going to have one payer, maybe two or three, but it's not going to be as complex. So what's your tolerance for risk if you build a PACE? Mm -hmm. uh, and you have that very, very prescriptive way of operating that PACE requires. Yeah, that's oh, so important. So you've you've been doing this for a while, and you know kind of where our industry is today with all of its challenges. What excites you most about um, home and community-based services and our future? I, I feel like, um, honestly, we've just scratched the surface. 
that I look at what our organizations do and who the people are. And they're pretty much really good people. And the team are really good, caring people. Of course, there's one-offs. But I look at that group of people and I think, you know, whether it's your parent or your sibling or your aunt, wouldn't it be great to know that culture and that expectation of quality could be accessed by people who can't afford or that's not their choice to live in senior living or until they have to? And wouldn't it be great to be that resource in each community where there is a life plan community or senior living, wouldn't it be great if all those people could also help people who don't live there? Because we're not running out of older adults. So that there's no, um, there's no issue there. I don't really worry about competition. I know a lot of people do. I just don't. I mean, unless there's some major payer influence, I just don't worry about it. You know, I just keep going along. And most of my clients don't have any lofty, you know, expectations of being a hundred million. They're, they're really just there to get the service, to add to the bottom line and to serve the greater community. Yeah. And you you said there's not going to be a shortage of older adults. In fact, quite the opposite. We know that we're, you know, in the beginning of this silver tsunami. And we know that today we don't have enough brick and mortar to serve the needs, even of those few people who want to move into a no, we community. Don't. So really home and community based is the future of senior living. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's what's needed. It It is not... Um, it is not the same as being in senior living. I understand there's a benefit of socialization and community. It is not the same. However, not everybody can get everything. And, and even affordable housing is scarce. And if you want to get into affordable housing, I hope you're into home and community services or have some great partnerships mm-hmm. um, because you'll need them right. to help those those residents age in place. Yeah, so important. So what advice would you give senior living um, providers or executives or board members who are considering adding to their continuum or really just starting home and community-based services today? Well, well, um, let's, let's get started and educate ourselves. So um, if you're going to a conference, go listen to providers, go read articles about them, get your inbox filled with other service lines besides senior living. So you can just get a baseline of what the issues are. I think that's a good idea. And then really talk about with your board, with your senior execs, you know, what are we thinking? How do we want to do this? Do we want to manage a senior center? Do we want to um, go to a different community um, and we see community services as a way to get our name exposed in that new town? I mean, a great strategy. Uh, So kind of what are you thinking? And then um, have a facilitated dialogue about that because all that prep work, you know, make or buy, Um, alone or with a partner? What kind of systems are you going to use? How would you organize? Would you do an LLC or an Inc or just as a part of it? 
Those are big questions. And you don't want to answer those questions when you're almost ready to get certified. In fact, you can't because you got to add those to your answers in the certification questionnaire. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought up make or buy or partnerships, yeah. oper- uh, collaborations, joint ventures, yeah. because um, that was one another thing that struck, struck me as I've learned about Brio and I've seen Kim speak a couple of times is they've done a lot of these um uh, they've developed a lot of their home and community-based services through partnerships and joint ventures. Um, mm-hmm. And in, in an area like the one that I work in, in Phoenix, there is a lot of home care provider, home health providers, and a lot of hospice providers already out there. So maybe we don't have to start one from scratch. Maybe there's a partnership opportunity that could help us get into that kind of business. And those are discussions that you can help facilitate as well. Oh, sure. And I think those are worth exploring, especially, you know, if you've been a CEO in a community, I hope you know the lay of the land. So are there hospices that are too small and struggling? Are there home health agencies that don't have the capital or the bandwidth or is somebody retiring out there and and you can help them? Um, it's really nice to be able to pick up an agency that way. Um, that said, it's also not bad to start from scratch with your own values and your own uh, culture. But um, I, I really love the idea of when one, two, three, four senior livings come together because you're getting similar values and, and similar cultures you're also getting a broad base of potential clients. And if you have that buy-in and if the services are good, it's really going to help accelerate your startup. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you get that scale, right, too. And you're right, like-minded folks. We don't always think of our um, competition as uh, collaborators or partners, but absolutely we could and should in this space. Uh, Well, Nancy, thank you so much for um, your time today, for sharing your expertise with us. And um, we will be sure to link all your contact information in the show notes. But tell tell us, how would you like people to get in touch with you? Well, I'm on LinkedIn, Nancy Corey King. And I am also have an email, uh, nancycoreyking at gmail.com, N-A-N-C-Y-K-O-U-R-Y-K-I-N-G, all lowercase, at gmail.com. Perfect. We will absolutely get that linked in the show notes. And thank you again for sharing your expertise with us. It's been a delight to have you today. Oh, thank you, Jennifer. Thank you for the invitation. You bet. I'm Jennifer Drago, and you've been listening to Senior Living Visionaries podcast, where we explore cutting edge ideas and breakthroughs that are shaping the future of the senior living industry. Please subscribe to be notified every time an episode drops at seniorlivingvisionaries.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Senior Living Visionaries podcast and radio show, where we showcase the leaders and innovators in the industry who are pushing the boundaries and setting the stage for the future in senior living and services. Join us next time as we share the bold ideas and breakthroughs of the industry's most forward-thinking leaders here on Senior Living Visionaries.
You've been listening to the Senior Living Visionaries podcast and radio show, where we showcase the leaders and innovators in the industry who are pushing the boundaries and setting the stage for the future in senior living and services. Join us next time as we share the bold ideas and breakthroughs of the industry's most forward-thinking leaders here on Senior Living Visionaries.